For Arizona Public Media, I'm Leslie Tolbert, Regents Professor in Neuroscience at the University of Arizona, and this is Arizona Science. Our guest today is Keith Maggard, Associate Professor of Cellular and Molecular Medicine in the College of Medicine. He's recently received a very prestigious transformative research award from the National Institutes of Health for research into novel mechanisms of genetic inheritance. Thank you for joining us, Keith. Tell us about why we don't understand, with all the genetics information we have, we don't understand how genetics underlies cancer. Well, first of all, it's a very complicated system. Uh, There are tens of thousands of genes that are uh, simultaneously interacting with each other. And so it's um, uh, a monumental puzzle to to untangle all that, uh, especially given the limited tools that we have. And of course, you're limited by the amount of time it takes to do an experiment and your decision at that point whether the experiment is done and the data are good enough and you can move on from there with a you know with a fact in your pocket or whether you need to dwell on that experiment and refine your hypotheses etc so i think we learn in school how the uh, genetic sequence can be read out how do you go about figuring out what that structure is that turns out to be potentially so important yeah well there's there's no real uh, path Right. We've had molecular biology studying DNA sequence for decades. We don't understand how it works, and so we develop these metaphors to describe how it would work. Right, Everything is an analogy or uh, you know, comparing it to a book or to a football game or to a car or something like that. And at some point, those metaphors begin to drive our expectations. We refer to DNA as, as a book. And so at some point, we start looking for the writing and the syntax, and maybe some of those expectations based on the metaphor are valid, but others probably aren't. And so the consequence of this is that you um, can sometimes get stuck at, at roadblocks that don't really exist. They only exist because you're expecting to find something when that isn't ever going to appear. So you've told me that some of what drives your work is this understanding that maybe half of um, our DNA is not is is coding sort of viral structure rather than our individual human structure. Is that a part of your argument? The observation is that the human genome is is only about half genes. Uh, um, the other half are remnants of viruses or endogenous retroviruses, things that we call transposable elements. And these are the tattered remains of onslaughts by these parasitic DNAs. The area of the genome that I study, the heterochromatin, is one of the first most sensitive defects uh, in developing cancers. That's one of my hypotheses. How does that link to the cells then undergoing too many divisions and producing a tumor. Right. The, one, of the, one of the common features of most all cancers is genome instability. In other words, chromosomes are gained or lost, genes um, are mutated, uh, chromosomes are broken and refused together in sometimes random orders. And what that does is it creates new genes that uh, circumvent the regular cell's control mechanisms to prevent uncontrolled growth. How do you use the information that you're gaining um, in your basic science sort of perspective on uh, genetics and epigenetics to make a difference in the lives of cancer patients? I'd say that there are two ways. The, the first way is that um, by understanding 
those natural instances where heterochromatin structure breaks down and genome instability arises, if we understand what those events are, we can potentially detect them or offset them. The second way that my work is relevant is there are a number of drugs, uh, um, upcoming cancer therapeutics, that are directed at modulating the epigenome, that is the structure of this, of this secondary inheritance system. My work proposes, in fact predicts, that those drugs would solve some problems, but they would create different kinds of genome damage. And so at the same time, a person could take a drug in order to, to, to mitigate some of the, the, the growth due to one cancer. They may be setting up other cells in their body to be more likely to develop cancer. And so by understanding how epigenetics works and understanding how these drugs work and watching the genome instability at its very earliest stages, we can potentially sort out those drugs that are positive versus those that have mixed effects or maybe even just mitigate the negative effects of some of these therapeutics. Listen to this and all Arizona Science Conversations at azpm.org slash Arizona Science. I'm Leslie Tolbert.